Welcome to episode five of the Unintentional Podcast with local, national, and international legend Nick Warren, fantastic DJ. We've known each other for thirty years, both professionally and personally. Um, we discuss all sorts of hot topics like Andy Weatherall's wood carvings, our way out west found the sound, and Bristol club politics in the eighties and nineties, as well as his time with Mass Attack and Cream and Beyond. Uh, I've been busy recording quite a few of these pods. Uh, over the summer they'll come out every few weeks now to the end of the year and hopefully beyond so i really appreciate you tuning in. hey mate mr warren how are you good very good right. good nice good. i might just make myself a coffee make coffee. yourself a coffee mate that's absolutely fine right. yeah yeah do it i've just got one on the go here with a bit of beer, but, isn't it? yeah can't do that anymore or not this time of day. here at 10 30 in the morning my frowned on nowadays. Ah. Times have changed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I've got a loud kettle, so it's a better That's fine, yeah, no worries, mate. What's that? Just find a fishing fly on the carpet underneath my chair, which was just waiting to slap wow. me in the foot. Oh my god. But halfway through. That would have hurt. That would have not hurt. been fun. Right, yeah. Then I'll switch my phone off as well. Uh, good point, yeah. Um, nobody can disturb. It's amazing how long kettles take if you're waiting for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And toasters. Hey, mate, that's me. I'm ready. Um, so you've listened to a couple of these, I think, haven't you? As you kind of get yes, the I have. feel. Yes, I have indeed. I've found them, they're kind of just super relaxed. And we go yeah. in. I, I don't, I've never prepared a question. I haven't cool. got a clue where we're going. I've got a starting okay. point, and then we just right. sort of carry on from there, really. Very um, good. And I said in the Ian Wilkie conversation that I had in April or whatever, yeah, uh, that out of the whole Bristol environment, when it happened, there were two DJs that I felt were truly great. Mr. Wilkie was one of those, and spoiler alert, you're the other. Hey! Hey! <laughs> um, final, uh, final recognition from all those years of work. <laughs> uh, and for very different reasons, then, Mr. Wilkie, because um, what I really loved about you at the time was how broad you were with what you were doing. Right. You know, that kind of thing, uh, while you were finding your sound and why the Progressive House thing evolved. Yeah. Um, but the first time I met you was, I think, was when we had the One Love Foundation test pressings in. Yeah. It would have been 1991, uh, I reckon, or 1991. Right. Uh, and I went around your house to give it to you, but I was too scared to knock on the door. So you right. had a letterbox that was big enough for vinyl, I seem to remember. Yes, I do. Uh, and I did it through the letterbox, but you answered the door anyway. Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I remember it well. The first time, yeah. Uh, and I reckon that was probably 91. Yes. Uh, Rally Road in Southville, I think. That's right. It's exactly where it was. Yeah, mate. Yeah. yeah. Exactly yeah. where it was. I think James Savage worked out where you lived or something. Right. And, um, uh, and he drove down there. I'm not even sure. Not he, even probably, sure he probably followed me home one night to see where I live. Because <laughs> 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 very likely. He was very thorough in his research. They were... There were funny days back then in Bristol, that sort of late 80s, early 90s, because you read about it a lot now and about this amazing Bristol scene and, and everybody yeah. sort of knew each other and stuff. I, I actually found it quite unfriendly. 
Right. I found it very competitive. Right. The whole whole Bristol scene. Um, there were small crews in Bristol, people that worked with people, and and on the surface they were all all very friendly, but actually I think they all hated each other, or not hated each other, didn't like other people's success. Yeah. That's, that's a vibe I got very much in Bristol yeah. these days. Sort of know your place, young man, kind of thing was very much part of it. Yeah. Um, and of course, I um, I came from from a very different background. I was an indie boy. I wasn't into yeah. soul and funk and no. that whole more black background of music, yeah. which was a lot of the Bristol scene. Yeah. Um, uh, um, I loved all that music, but it wasn't me. I was yeah. more... Yeah punk and indie i was more of a yeah. depeche mode the cure uh craft worky kind of guy um so so my my interest in music as you say was quite broad it wasn't sort of sort of i wasn't like a trip hop dj or a house dj or whatever i just liked a broad spectrum and i was very much influenced by specifically and Weatherall and and whole boys own flying records London Balearic scene that was my uh, the sound sort of uh, that excited me the more indie based bands like the farm um Weatherall especially as I said another yeah some producers in that field um and I used to, to go up to London I remember I once a month I would just get on the coach go up to London and and walk around Kensal Rise and places like that where where all of the all the action was yeah small record labels were and just walk into offices yeah and I remember going in and seeing Andy Wetherill um the Terry Farley people like that some working because there was a promotions company called Pop Promotions which was also in the boys own um, office and I used to go in there and then I would come back to Bristol and loads of other places in London. I used to go to all the record labels and then come back to, to Bristol with piles of, of, of uh, test pressings and promos and stuff like that. Wanting to be that guy in Bristol that wasn't playing what everybody else was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, 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 I worked in Tony's on Park Street and went to replay, but it was very much, it'd be packed on a Saturday or, or, or I think, Tuesday or Wednesday when when the imports uh, came in, but then everybody was getting basically the same records. Um, so so I was reading that uh, in DJ Mag there was one page called Platform One, mm-hmm. which I used to read avidly every week because that was more the Balearic sort of Italian import information about what was about to come. And I would make notes on all, all that and, and just make sure I got those records mm. every, yeah. every time. So it was very much about sort of wanting to do something a bit. But yeah, and that's, absolutely. It's interesting what you say about the Bristol thing, because do you think that after the success of Massive Attack, yeah, there was a sort of trolley dash where everyone thought, oh, shit, we can do this too yes. in our own way. And then everyone's trying to sort of muscle everyone else out of the yeah, out of the it was, spot there a bit. <laughs> It wasn't a vindictive situation and it wasn't 
people trying to stop people being successful. They just didn't really like you being successful. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, so, so it was still very good. Obviously, I was lucky because <coughs> um, Grant, Danny G and I became very good mates um, early doors, sort of late 80s, early 90s. And um, it's been well documented that the Massive Attack asked me to be their tour DJ for for the Blue Line shows. And then and then also I worked with them on uh, protection. And they really did give me a, a massive boost to my career. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I would have got where I have today to, to without Grant Lee and all the Massive Attack boys being so supportive of me. Yeah. And what were you playing then? Oh, God, anything. Yeah. It was one of those things, you never had enough enough records. So, so B-sides, the third track on the Mm. B-side, drum and bass records slowed down to 33. Mm -hmm. It didn't play very fast. And I tended to play somewhere between 90 and 110 BPM. Yeah. So when I worked with the Master Attack guys, and then it, it it started to increase after that. But then it was just you had to fill all that time. Yeah. And you didn't have enough records. Mm. So it was anything. Mm. Yeah. Killing jokes, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. You know, yeah. sort of anything that I thought was good, I played. And and of course back then you didn't have to stick to to genres, you didn't have to stick to tempos in the set. No, no, go all no. over the place. Yeah, and people exactly. would stay, uh, stay, stay with you. I remember me and Grant used to go and see Jar Shaka play at, um, go down Old Market. Yeah, uh, past the police station, and there's a huge, um, oh, the Trinity. Oh yeah, right. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Trinity. We used to go, go go to Trinity to hear Jar Shaka play, um, playing dub reggae. Yeah, he used to play there a lot, yeah. Yeah, he used to play there a lot. Uh, but, there, but, there, but there'd be a massive sound system. There'd be a stack of amplifiers, just wow. one deck. So one he deck. would pull out an acetate, yeah. the clean it, <laughs> put it on, put, put the needle on, then you would dance, then the, and then the record would finish, and he'd take it off, put it back in its sleeve, put it back in its box, take the next one out, and of course, this this was like a minute and a half of silence, but but then no one cared. Mm. That would be impossible in a nightclub, man. Yeah, I mean, that, can you you know, people would just go, okay, I, well, they'd be on their phones or yeah, or meaning some social experiment actually. Yes, had the balls yes, to try it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially mm. in those clubs where they're not allowing phones in now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a definite concentration about it. And there was so much love for music then and people willing to invest the time as an audience. Yes, exactly. And hear people play it. Yes. But, um, you know. Well, it was exciting back then. I remember um, because you went to see, uh, see certain DJs knowing that, that they were the only ones uh, that had those tracks. No one else had them. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was half, um, um, half the excitement of them. I remember... Because uh, I used to, we started. No, it's called Ninety Eight Proof yeah. in Bristol, and that was based around the tempo because most stuff was around ninety eight BPM. And that was me and Ian Dart to start with, yeah. and Grant joined in after a while. And the promoters were Matt Mills and Ollie Timmins. That's right. Um, and we used to do parties at the art college in in uh, Barrashton, 
and we did a series. If you look back at the lineups now, we were quite. It was very cool. Finney mm. Tribe, a certain ratio, sub sub, all live acts we used to get in. Mm-hmm. And Danny Rampling, um, um, Andrew Weatherall played. And I remember Andrew playing, and I didn't know a single one of his records. Mm. He played after me, and I did not know one of them, and he was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, for me, that was the most exciting thing. Yeah. Being excited about music that I didn't know what the hell it was. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Weatherall used to have little stickers on his... Yeah, labels of his record with "Piss Off Nosy" written on mm. them with people leaning yes, over. Yes, it did. And Sadly. that search for music, and I, I found some set of his from the nineties online a while ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, and didn't know any of it. I heard yeah. any of it? No, it phenomenal. Very sadly gone as well. Yeah. yeah, I was I was gutted when he died. Actually, yeah, because for the past three or four years, I've kept saying to myself, "I must go and see him play. I must yeah. go and see him yeah. play." Yeah, and then he's died you know yeah bugger yeah missed yeah. it yeah um way too young but but i um, um i put him on the same pedestal as john peel for me yeah Maybe yeah 100 percent. made a difference to yeah. my musical taste yeah yeah he made more of a difference than john peel did for me 100 yeah, percent. yeah um i mean the first thing really the first time i came across him was that promise scream album yeah. Uh, and when that happened, that completely changed everything for me musically. And then I used to go and see him doing Blood Sugar at the Blue Note a bit. Right. Uh, oh, did you? Booked him a bunch at yeah. Lakota. And he was just thought, yeah, he was brilliant. Yeah. He was, yeah, he was nice man brilliant. as well. A really lovely bloke. Yeah. Yeah. A very good. Um, he had a very good collection of Tartan Bondage trousers. He did. Yeah, 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 he did. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a sardonic wit. Yes. Yeah, very. Yeah. And he was a very good woodcut artist. I don't know if you've seen his art. I didn't know that. Yes. If you have a Google one day, have a look for Andrew Weatherall woodcut. Oh, okay. And he was a very good artist, actually. And then ninety-eight proof moved to Lakota, didn't it? At some point, did you do the Moon Club? Actually, we didn't really Club, do any ninety-eight. Yeah. yeah. Because it was a small crowd. It was. Because it was all based around that slower tempo. Um, uh, uh, but we did it at the time when the whole rave thing was really starting to explode. So most people actually sort of wanted to go for it. They, yeah. And we were playing a bit slow. And actually, that's why it kind of stopped, because I was getting more and more into house. And... And Ian was very much a soul boy, and the two things started to not work together. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and so we did the tube club. I remember we did. Uh, it was in Bristol. I'm sure it's still the same. The Thursday before Good Friday was always yeah. the th- yeah. Thursday in the year, and we did the tube club. And I think it was something like me and Grant DJing. So tricky on the mic. Bjork came down. There was all this, and we had like sixty people. <laughs> we made sixteen pounds each. We were like, "Yes, we've done it," you know. And then we thought, "Well, maybe it's time to move on." And of course, yeah. Grant suddenly Massive Attack became this monster yeah. band, and so Grant was very busy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and and it's like all all club nights. So I do think 
it's it's very easy for them to run on and on and on and on and on and then just not be what they were. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of... They do evolve and change naturally. Yes, they do. And Um, whether or not you want to evolve and change with them or just... Yes, exactly, which I think is important. I think it's... People are always absolutely gutted when clubs shut. Sort of, sort of iconic clubs, but then I think it's it's the best thing for them because they wouldn't be the same. No. No. Um, uh, um, I've been lucky to play most of the major ones: Hacienda, Twilo, Cream, etc., etc. And I'm glad that that none of them are still there. Yeah, because I think yeah. they were of their time. Yeah, no, they were definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So after 98 Proof, you were involved with... Where did you go with that? Well, um, Hugo was doing some nights in Bristol's Revolution. I played a few of those. But then once I became Massive Attack's DJ, because we did Blue Lines and then I was touring and Grant and I were going around around the country DJing um, as a duo. Um, But then we were always billed as the Massive Attack DJs, which Grantly didn't really like because... It wasn't really the band. It was me and Grant DJing. Yeah. Um, And then sometimes he couldn't make it for maybe he was in the studio or other reasons. So I would go on my own. And, of course, I would turn up, say, Nottingham, and they'd book Massive Attack DJs, and it would be me on my own. And they weren't always that pleased to see (laughs) As you can imagine, I did my best. I think I rocked it, but they were expecting something else. So, So... that 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 had so there were great times and Grant and, and uh, Grant and I had great fun doing it. But then because I was seen as my stacks DJ, um, lots of the clubs around the UK wanted to book me. Um, Liverpool Cream, etc., Renaissance, all those clubs. And then once I got on that circuit of major clubs, and Cream wanted me to be be one of their residents, then suddenly exploded. Mm. Suddenly I was getting phone calls from agents saying, we want to take you on. And then it just snowballed and snowballed. And then it would start, and then it started to become international. And then suddenly yeah. I was going all over the world doing it. And I'm still doing it. Still there now. Amazing. Yeah. I know. Still there Amazing. now. But, and- but, then, but then it was exciting times because... Um, it was so new. I remember, remember I was the first um, a Twilo in New York back then. Junior Vasquez was the DJ. Yeah. yeah. And and John and Sasha had started to play over there, but they weren't allowed to play in his booth in Junior. No, that's booth. right. That's right. Um, and so and so and so so I was the first international that was allowed to play in Junior's booth. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow, because I played it once. Yes. Twice. Yeah, we yes. weren't allowed, we allowed anywhere near it. Yes. Yeah, no, I was the there. first one. Uh, like, yes, I was up in the gods. There. Wow, yeah. And I was the first one to be allowed to play in there. And I, uh, uh, and, and, and I remember I was about an hour and a half into my set and the place was rocking. Hmm. Uh, and I played the Mantronics track. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was breakbeat, and the sound engineer came to me and said, he said, this is the first break track that's ever been played in this club, and the place went mental. Wow. And then, and then at that same time, Junior came up the stairs into the DJ booth, 
shook my hand and 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 stood behind me. And within 30 seconds, the volume dropped, I'd say, by 70% in the venue. And I was like, what's going on? I turned around and the same engineer just looked at me and just shrugged his shoulders and pointed at Junior. So he'd obviously come in, didn't like the pla- fact the place was rocking and yeah. just turned everything down. Yeah. So, yeah. so again, it's quite competitive. Or back then, it was very competitive. Yeah. People didn't really yeah. like you no. getting above your station. No. He, yeah. he got the sound engineer to fade me out halfway through a record, basically. <laughs> he was stood up on his, on his, in his booth like some sort of king. So right, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was doing back-to-back with T-Mail or something. Right, and then, okay. um, yeah, just halfway through, it just went, yeah. bleh, bleh, and he started, and that was that. You know, yes, like, yeah. All right, we'll finish okay. then. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> looks like it. Yeah, where should um, we go now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. So what year did you play Twilight? Because I figured you were there. Oh, God, before. I don't know, Leon. It's all a blur. But but then it would have been early 19. Um, no, mid-90s. Yeah, yeah, you were long before I was there, I think. Yes. Yeah, yes, I remember that. Because um, it was... Because uh, even Oakenfold, um, I didn't realise this, but every time I see Paul Oakenfold, he was saying that you were actually the first UK DJ to tour the States, which I didn't know at the time, obviously. Oh, right, okay. Um, so I was the first one that got booked to yeah. before Paul and people like that. Um, you went to Ultimatum, didn't you, Cox's agency? Yes, I went, went to Cox's agency first, which was great. Um but then Cream had also start started an agency and and again it was all very competitive yeah. between the clubs. Ministry, yeah, Cream, uh, Renaissance, all of them, they didn't really speak to each other. No. No. So so um so I know that Cream wanted me to be a resident. Darren used to call me about it, but they were very much okay, but you have to come and join our cream agency. Yeah. Um so in the end, they talked me into it, um, which Carl wasn't particularly chuffed with at the time. No, but then, but then, but then it was like it was one of those things. If you back then, as you know, I didn't have any management, so it was yeah. very much I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no idea what I was doing. So when someone offered you a so what what you saw as a good deal, they you, you took, just it. took it because it was you felt it was the right thing. Thing for you, um, I don't regret it. But then, that's, but then I think it wasn't until I left Cream and I went to Accession Agency, yeah. which was owned by Sasha and Tara, yeah. and it had all of us really yeah. big prog people there. Um, that's that's when I had a great agency, and then it really started to kick off, and I yeah. started to work with you. Then didn't I? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was management. So so yes, but but then. Um, I think Ultimatum was me, Carl, Darren Emerson, and a few, yeah, and, and a few others. The yeah. first time I booked you was to Ultimatum for I think I did a trinity called Seven Hours of Bliss, which was yes, that's right, Kid with and with who's Paul? Yes, that's right, Kid Paul, yeah. wasn't it? Who yeah. was amazing? Yeah. He was amazing, and he was he was well, he was Bristol, obviously. So he was about a year ahead of the crowd, and yes. he played. Um, he played a track that I ended up playing two years later almost every time I played at Shimmy, which is the Casper Power mix of Union Jack, Two Full Moons and the Trout. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which at the time 
it stops. It has like silence in it. So it yes. kind of builds and then it just has silence and then little piano breaks. Yes. And the audience were just stood there. We just like, didn't get no, it that's at right. all. And he turned around to me and went, oh, I don't think anyone's ready for this. And the two facts aren't connected. Yeah. yeah. He actually gave up DJing about a year later. Yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. He was yeah. very pacey, wasn't he? Yeah. Very. He was fast. It was all like superstition, riding yes. high, that kind of, at that sort of trancey period in those yes. labels, you know. Which was amazing. Not all of it's aged very well. No. I remember being very excited no. about all that stuff. No. And buying vast amounts of, of records of that. Yeah. That genre. Uh, but as you know, I'm going through all my records at the moment to get, uh, to move them on. And I've listened to a lot of that stuff from that, that era, but I don't remember ever uh, playing it out. No. It wasn't. I remember them, I mean, but then, but then I'm, I can't see where I. It didn't played. really fit. I'm nice to get excited when you did play something like that in your sets. Yeah, I could see how it didn't fit because it was just much too quick. Yes, and I used to read your charts a lot, and I literally just get excited. Like if I saw something on, you know, on a label that I liked or something, yeah, like, I just thought, oh, look, he's he's playing yes. that on on on, uh, you know, uh, Heart House or that on. Yes, you know, exactly. Position or well, it was. There was stuff like experience, and I remember um, stuff on 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 a plus eight and labels like that, which is yeah. amazing. CJ Bolland and all those yeah. used to play yeah. those, but then yeah. it tended to be more say 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 if you're playing at Universe or somewhere like that. That's when you pulled out those yeah yeah, those yeah. massive massive records. But yeah. then but there's sometimes in a club um, as you know there were clubs everywhere. And even the Southwest, I remember going to Honiton mm-hmm. once a month and playing a club. Barnstable. Now, now Honiton on a Thursday night, they're not going to take superstition <laughs> records. You know, it, it's going to throw them off. It'll probably, those clubs are funny though, because there was always a fight as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'd say, oh no, here we go. Yeah. And suddenly there's a scuffle on the dance floor and <laughs> kick off. Yeah. So I'm going to Bridge End on a Sunday night to play in the college and stuff like that. There were just gigs everywhere. Yeah. It was quite mad. What was the point? Because it happened to most of you guys. Yeah. It definitely happened to Weatherall. And there's a point where, what point did you consolidate what you were doing into a genre? What point did you become prog? Because there was a point where Weatherall became techno he like okay yes. there's a point when clubbers wanted a certain style and clubs emerged yes, was, into doing different styles and types and genres yes, I, um, i'd say say that in the early 2000s especially the trance stuff it went from being forward thinking and exciting to like burger king yeah it was, just commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And there was awful vocals being thrown in. Yeah. There were awful chord sequences. It yeah. was almost like sort of classical hits on dance, if you see yeah. what I mean. You know, yeah. it, it yeah. just became a little bit embarrassing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of us chose to find a deeper path, something that's a bit more progressive, if you want to say. Um Things became strange. It's like I remember going to play the Hippo Club in Wales. And oh, wow, yeah. 
and and Judge Jules was on, and he started to play a trumpet over his set, and and it was like, okay, what's oh, what's this becoming? Mm. Because it's not very good. Even making music in the UK, I find that the 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 if you looked at all of the major players of um, record labels, be they Positiva, Manifesto, any of these labels, through to Cream, through to Deconstruction, Warner Brothers, the A&R system became, let's sign everything and just hope that one sticks. Mm. So, so, and so anything with any sign of commercial success was signed and promoted and they got 15 remixes done of it and it didn't matter if it flopped country and western dance music you know yeah. it was, it was yeah. just bizarrely on yeah 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 so what was going on and so i think that because of that so you either had to go commercial which always scared me off or you had to go okay well let's 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 go for a deeper path and i think that prog was very strong for a while and exciting it did become very dull after a while. And then it's like all genres of dance music. So they go through stages where they attract forward thinking uh, young producers. Yeah. And then they go through that cycle in, into big, becoming a bit dull. And so, yes, I still love my prog. It's, there's not that much exciting prog at the moment. I think that that is going through a bit of a fallow stage mm-hmm. at the moment but mm-hmm. um but then it'll come back yeah yeah and it's hard to work out how to define it all again now it's just kind of i listened to seth chopster's um mix he put up on soundcloud on monday yeah. which i thought was amazing okay and as far as i'm concerned is prog um, right okay uh, i'll send you a link it's phenomenal it's yeah exceptional. Right. it's like uh it's the uh, it's a DC Ten compilation called Monday Morning that he's done a remix of all the tracks and put it together, and it's for um, for Grand Theft Auto. It's okay, pretty, I mean it's sort of thing. You know, I thought I'll give that a go. It came off his Instagram feed. Nice. And it was, it was for me. It was exactly prog because there's loads of different styles. There's plenty of melody. There's plenty of rhythm. Yeah. It evolves into a thing after like an hour and a bit. Right. You know, there's yeah, all yeah. the things that you want it to do. Yes. When you know you go and see prog DJs in the nineties, so. Right, I think yeah. that was super interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, and the records come from everywhere, you know, there's all yes. sorts of things. Yeah, that, that's the thing now. It's like there's, it's it's still very much to find, it's not going to land on your lap. No. The really great records rarely sort of land on your lap. And the great ones are, are, um, are the ones you accidentally find. Like in the old days in the record store, you might see a sleeve and think, oh, that looks good. And yeah. then play it and find find you loved it. And now I think it's about about um, about spending time searching, yeah, uh, for music again. So yeah, so. yeah, hundred percent, just in a very yeah, different yeah. way. But you're absolutely right. And it's about and we do. We used to get drawn to records because they looked good. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. But obviously, things doesn't really have things look now. But there, it, it's definitely a. Skill and obviously I'm not DJing anymore. But I do occasionally do a birthday yeah, party yeah, yeah. and think, or oh, I've got to come up with summer, and even that takes quite a bit of time to yes. go in and find stuff that you know is interesting and yeah. Because I find now 
recently there, there's been some tracks I've been playing which which don't really fit a genre. They're kind of proggy, but they're kind of tech canoe and they're kind of they're kind yeah. of that it's um it's almost like an indie idea. Yeah. Um and they excite me um quite a lot. There's one act, let me find See if I can browse quickly for you. Um, yeah, it, it's called Vice, V-H-Y-C-E. And I've been... Okay. Their music is really interesting. It's quite... It's fun, but then it's also very cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'll check that out. Lovely. Check them out, nice. yes. Um, and, it, yeah, it's just so important. I remember... Uh, um, don't be offended, I'm sure you won't be. I remember getting a coach up to Final Frontier... Yes. To see you play in whenever that was. Right. And um, I don't know, say 94 or something. Yes. Um, uh, and I was watching you play and I was loving it. And then you played the grid record. Yes. Whatever that grid single was at the time. Yeah. I was devastated. It took me about yes. three months to get over it. Yeah. Yes. You know, and that, people don't think like that anymore. No. We were like walking, go, yeah, like, no, I don't like the end of the story. But, yes. you know, we'd all stand there for an hour and a half, two hours watching DJs. Yes, exactly. And they played something we didn't like, having massive effect on our kind of psyche and well-being for a really long time. Yes. But but then, but then, but then also, so I have to remember that, that quite often we would play the wrong record. Yeah. <laughs> the wrong side on. <laughs> yeah, all the time. You... Oh, because you hadn't marked because you got so much music every week that, yeah. the, that it went in as white labels or whatever went into your box and and then sometimes you pull out and you meant to play the B side yeah. you play the A yeah. side and it's that so yeah Done I'm not saying yeah. that, that's my excuse no that's fine but I but, you know just but then, but then if it was the not the cowboy one was it so the I think it might have been yeah it was whatever their big hit yes. Band. Yes. They had like a top no, three I, record. From what I remember, there was a good dub of that. They didn't probably, have all that was. stuff on. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I obviously <laughs> didn't play it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, on vinyl, it's not easy to get out very quickly sometimes. Exactly. Once you're in, you're in, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. That's sorry. exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When did your compilation series domination start then? Well, it's, again, I'm very poor on years, but the, but the, the first one I think was Back to Mine, which yeah. was, again, one of those things. It, uh, um, it always sort of did me very well, but being managerless, you trust the people that want to sign you when they come and see you. Like, oh, we love what you do, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we want you to make an album and you presume they're going to give you a good deal. And they don't because <laughs> you're naive yeah. or, or, um, or you don't know what, what you're doing. I didn't really know, know, know what I was doing. I, I didn't get a good deal out of them, as you know, because we talked about it often. <laughs> um, but it was a good start for me. And yeah. then... I still listen to it now, actually. Yeah. It's it's, classic selection. It was just a good yeah. choice. It's not really mixed. It's, no. It's just one after another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was the first of the series, wasn't it? it was the very first back. Yes, it was the first one. Yeah. One of the series. So that was my first one. And then of course Global Underground came knocking. Again, I was signing deals which I had no idea what I was doing. 
because I didn't even go and see a lawyer. Mm. You know, I just went, that looks all right. Yeah. So I signed it. There's some money at the top of the page, I take it. Yes. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, exactly. So, but then it was, it was amazing times. And, yeah. and, and, and James and Andy were really fun. You know, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. The strong yeah. I told me those two. And a great brand as well. You know, yeah, it's me, 100%. Sasha, yeah. read everybody else. Um, and, and, and as you know, the idea was to visit cities around the world, yeah. to do a party in one, and then even though people thought they were live, they weren't, but then, but then it was make an album based on your set in this, yeah. this, this city. And so they became the biggest compilation yeah. series in the world for yeah. dance music. It was a really good uh, product and it, and, and it was fan, um, fantastic. And it was, um, and I did eight of them in the end. Yeah. Which is amazing. Um, uh, the early ones were fairly pacey, but yeah. a lot of that is based around that very fast, yeah. almost sort of trance style, yeah. style stuff. And then, of course, I did. I think Reykjavik was a big game changer. That was, that because, was 100% a game changer, yeah. Totally. Uh, because for a start, I think for the first four, or maybe five of them, four of them, I should think, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, I didn't use a computer. Yeah. I just went upstairs in my house in Bristol, pressed a record on the DAP player, and yeah. and just DJ'd, yeah. which no one else was doing at that stage. Everybody was um, employing engineers, computerized mixing, where where they sat back and said, "Put them in this order," and 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 the engineer did that. Now, maybe being naive, I thought it's best to mix them live because that's what people would want. Whereas actually. The problem with doing that is any slight mistake you make, if it's on a CD, then 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 you hear it every time you play it. Every single time you play it, you hear it. So and Sasha's was spotless, you know, not yeah, yeah. beat yeah. out of yeah. place. And he was always the king of those, yeah, those albums. And so and so and so eventually I came around to okay, I'm gonna mix them on the computer and Reykjavik then became the first one I did like that. And it and it shows really, and yeah. I think, and um, it was the first time anybody had done a, um, a down tempo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on Google Underground, and that went down really well as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It completely changed the game, I think, for the for yeah. them. Uh, you know, for the whole idea of compilation series. Yes. And um, and I remember being at, it's funny about the session thing. I remember being at after parties in America, speaking to very refreshed American ravers about yes. how amazing Sasha's GU was and how yes. he didn't have any mistakes in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, people did fully believe that it was live and most people yes. hadn't been to most of the cities that the, no. the things came from. And it was such an exotic, amazing idea of, you know, yeah. here's his DJ playing in whatever, Paris, New York, Shanghai, Reykjavik, um, you know, it's all yeah, the of course. It was amazing. Places. It was great fun. Yeah. 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 You know, because it was, I think, it, um, uh, the excitement for the parties was massive back then. Yeah, yeah. And even a normal Friday or Saturday night in Budapest or in in, um, in Buenos Aires or um, or whatever, it was just 
uh, the excitement of walking um, into a venue in Mexico. I used to come and play in Mexico and, and the States. It was just like yeah. an incredible Bananas. vibe, wasn't Bananas. it? Bananas. And it sort of tailed off in the UK by then because the UK yes, moves really quickly. Yeah. So by that time, we, you know, the, the drum and bass peak was probably 97. And then by 98, it's probably kind of two step. And by 99, yes. it's just, but the rest of the world, once you get that, use the UK as a platform, you can then go out into the rest of the world and yes, everyone's exactly. doing, you know, it's brilliant, it, you know. Um, yeah. It's still like that now. It's still evolving around, yeah. Yeah. around the world, you know, sort, yeah. of, sort of the Middle East and, um, and Asia now is is got that vibe. Yeah. Um, South America's had it for for fifteen or twenty years, and it's still yeah. exciting out there. Yeah. 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 It's constantly new young faces coming in. Yes. Isn't it? Exactly. In the states is, and America is again. It, so that that went through a big dip, and that's strong yeah. again. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, the is big, and Mexico's amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah it's good. Yeah. Yeah, the US seems to be strong as ever, if not stronger yeah. now, I think. Yeah, yes. Um, uh, well, they've been the only ones that have been able to get a nightclubs for the past, <laughs> past year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that has all to do with, because it's so big in the kind of Latin countries. Um, yeah. Yes. That's going to translate into the US quite quickly, I think, and come back that way, you know. Exactly. And then, of course, at the same so running alongside all that 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 in the nineties, Jody and I started where West. Yeah, that was kind of where my next thing. So yeah. I remember coming down to Jody's dad's place, Mickey in yeah. Southville, um, whatever it was called, Arlington. I remember the road. Yes, Arlington there. Road, wasn't it? Arlington Road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yes. And you guys would be in that. there. Yeah. Um, and you know, we were hanging around the kitchen table and you were sort of getting it all together and it was you know, I remember you sort of discussing names and you did your first thing with Earth Records? Yes, it was... Um, Earth Records was replay records, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, because I wanted to make, make music for quite some time, but then, but then honestly, studio-wise, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Mm, mm. Um, so, and so, and so, and so, and so I needed to find somebody to work with. And I was working in Tony's Records on Park Street and Mickey used to come in a lot and we were chatting one day and he said, well, come down and, and try working with Jody and see if it works. And came down and it worked extremely well because I think that Jody had done the more hard chords, drum and bass. Done the whole sub-love thing and yes. all that, yeah. And I think he was up for, for trying a more sort of housey vibe. And so basically it's what we did is we took my, my Balearic sort of almost Italian house sound and his drum and bass um, and hardcore and put, put the two together at like 130 BPM. So it was, uh, uh, the gift for instance is basically sort of drum and bass. Yeah. Uh, um, a house tempo yeah. with an open hi-hat. Yeah. Which they didn't do. They didn't put yeah. over their brakes. So it was taking those, those two influences and it worked really, really well. It did. And again, yeah. it didn't fit in anywhere. And no. that was its biggest strength. So it took a bit of time for people to work out. Yes. We were lucky with Wet West because it was at a time that, that there was the prodigy, there was left field, there was underworld. So, and so they wanted acts. And the duo idea was very big back then. Yeah. Um, so, so 
James Barton was who owned Cream was also head of A&R at Deconstruction. And he came down and wanted to sign us and signed us. And we we did an album deal there. And it was great because it meant that we got a publishing deal. We got a, an advance and we could sort of give up our day jobs. Yeah. And just concentrate on buying a few synths and stuff like that and some eight board and, and then spend, spend time making music, which is yeah. great. Which is sadly Amazing. lacking for for producers these days. It's very hard for a young kid who's really talented to make any money from making yeah. music, which means that he doesn't have to get a job. Because yeah. if you have a full time job, then making music is like a sideline, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And you'd be in there all day. You'd be in there all night in the studios. Well, we never moved did to Barton that. Hill, didn't it? After after being in, yes, we did. Camp. We were very specific. Jody tended to not appear until the lunchtime and I had a young child at the time. Yeah. So what we tended to do is I would get there around 11 in the morning. Um, we'd work until six in the evening and, and then I'd go home. Um, so, but, the, but then, but then actually if you work five days a week, six hours a day in the studio, you can get, get a lot done, get, get a fair bit done actually. Yeah. And it was every single day we went in, which was great. Yeah. And you did some, you had a kind of real phase of remixing. Oh, we remixed. Some phenomenal. I don't like any of them. I don't like any of them. No, I tell a lie. I like one. We remixed James Holden. Oh, yeah. Um, which is really good. Yeah. That's a really good remix. I cannot, <coughs> oh, uh, we remixed a certain ratio, which I like. And uh, we mixed, remixed Jose Padilla from yeah. um, Cafe de Mar, which I like. But most of them, I don't like it all now. Right. It was all was, too, it was all really fast. <laughs> it was quite swift. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Ian Brown one I thought was quite good. Oh yeah. Um, oh, no, the uncle is great. That's a really yeah. good mix actually. Yeah, that's the one, Uncle Ian Brown. And then yeah, yeah. um uh But but uh, but then we did way too many. Yeah, but it's, yeah. the money was great. In those yeah, of days. course. Yeah. We got paid for remixes. Yes, exactly. I remember chatting to Deep Dish because 10 grand was normal for a remix. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And now, now it's nothing. You're no chance. No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Uh, and then there'd be like eight mixes in a double package. You'd have yes. to consume. Yeah, you'd yes. have to buy the whole double package for the one mix you wanted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, it was that thing of A&R again. Just yeah. throw... throw Throw all the mud at the wall and see, yeah, see which bits well, connect. Hundred percent, and try and get all the genres. When yes. you do a mix for Coxie, we need to do a mix for Sasha. We need to yes, do a and mix, then for a mix for Okay, you know, for Apex Twin, and then yeah, yes, which is always the best one. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was. Yeah, it probably yeah. was. Um, yeah, I mean, you did do a lot um, at different times. You did a couple for me at some point. Yes. Uh, before yeah, you're yeah. involved with Hope. Um, but, but then, but then, but then, I'm always very dismissive of my past work. I don't know why, to be honest. Yeah, you um, shouldn't be really. I mean, there's. No, I know, you, I shouldn't. You but, did but, solo but, mixes for early Hope stuff. Yes. Which I thought yeah. worked really well. You did the. It's true, but, 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 the, but, then, but then I think that I, I think it's because I always have uh, tried to make my best track and I've not 
but got there yeah. yet. So so I'm I'm always like uh no, no, forget that, forget that. This is gonna be better. So yeah, it's, yeah. Well, it's you've never thinking. ever lived on nostalgia. No. A lot of people in your position in your career could easily dine out on nostalgia. And the yes. thing that's helped you drive you is the fact that you've never done that. No, I I went through a stage of playing yucky yucky too many times. <laughs> well, we've all done that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or stuff like that. But then but then the whole idea of playing a set of the classics is is ghastly to me. Um it's fine. It works for some people, but then for me, I just think it would be the uh, the kiss of death to my not even playing a 50th birthday party, but if yes. you're out actually working the circuit. Yes. To a bunch of 25 year olds. It's yes. completely, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's a yes. non-starter. Yes, know. that's right. Um, and um, obviously so, the thing, so, where, carry on. So, so no, I've always been more excited about what's, was coming in the future rather than. Yeah, you have mate. Yeah. Back totally. what I've done. Yeah. And that's testament, I think, to how, what you've achieved over all these years and why you're still right in there doing it. Yeah. Amazing. Um, because dance culture differs from other music culture in the fact that if you're, you know, if you're 60, you are still going to see the Rolling Stones and spend 150 quid yes. on a ticket. But there's always a point at which you think, oh, actually, I'm too old to go to clubs. Yeah. Then you have a whole new blood coming in. And then, obviously, they all want something new and young and fresh. Yes. And if you're, you know, an older DJ, yeah, you know, yeah. some survived that new generation coming in because they're, yeah. you know, rebuilding themselves and changing their brand and doing this and yes uh and you've totally done that together with petra and that's been fantastic but some djs don't survive that no they've just seen it on hack but 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 then strangely that's also quite quite genre specific which is okay if you think i think of a techno carl sven yeah all all of the all the uh, classic uh, Detroit boys, Laurent Garnier, he's in yeah. the 60s. Um, all of these boys, nobody thinks twice about them being old playing. But yeah. then but then but then I think that the Brits are quite cutthroat, aren't they, in the way yeah. um that thing. And also I think that the scene here is very different. You know, because you've been with me, lots of clubs around the world are very age open, if you see what I mean. Lots of clubs in South America and Europe, it's no problem to see somebody the 50 or 18 in there. And no yeah. one black that's an idea. Whereas in the UK, it's it's it's, it's a different, not yeah. so much. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah, the yeah. culture here is about getting battered and therefore that's yes. a kind of young person's game. Yes. Whereas you know it is. well that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, whereas you know, abroad it's more about having a few drinks than a dance, isn't it? Yes, and the does. South American thing is so about the dancing. Oh, God, yes. No yes. one's come there to talk. No one's come there to do anything no. other than just no. turn up and yes. dance for 10 hours. But also, I think what's great, especially especially if you look at Argentina, is that the groups of friends will come. And from the stage, you can see it. There's like 15 friends together, and they're all dancing, and they all look at each other. They're not all staring at me. Mm. So they've all got... Yeah. There's a small party going on everywhere in that huge yeah. room. Yeah. Um, they they go out late. They turn up at the club at one or two in the morning, and they go home at six in the morning. Yeah. No one's turn. No one turns up at midnight at night yeah. over there. No. 
And especially having that, you know, turning up at midnight, having been in the pub all evening, basically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. You yes. Know, none of that. No. Which makes no. a massive difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the tempo and the feel of what you're playing now is so on point for them. And it's such a perfect tempo. No. Well, you're now about 120-ish, aren't you, I'd say. Yes, it varies, between, it, it varies between some 118 and one, 125. I think uh, uh, the thing is now, even more than ever before, it's a full-time job now. I, yeah. I spend three to four hours every day working on either my sets or going through promos or, yeah. or listening to new tracks I'm working on. So the whole process is, is, is very full time. It's not like in the old days where I'd take out a record box and I basically didn't know half of what they were. And I was just hoping that I could skip through them quickly and oh, yeah. it's that one. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot more professional now, but then uh, for a few years now, I think, I think as a DJ, you, well, my goal is that, that 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 each show I'm going to do, I've got to be a better than the last show. So yeah. you have to strive yeah. for that. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's what makes it exciting as a DJ to play as yeah. well. It's like yeah. knowing that certain things in your sets, certain new tracks, you know, is going to absolutely tear the place to bits. Yeah. And you know, you got that excitement when you played in Boston in the. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I love it. I absolutely, I loved it. Yeah, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I still love it today. I just yes, didn't want to pursue it as a career, but I, no. I, I still get excited today if I'm playing yes. a birthday party, yeah, yeah. knowing there's a track there and I'm going to build up to it yes. for like yeah. sixty minutes or seventy yeah. minutes. And yeah. that's where the DJing comes in because if you just played that track at the beginning of the night, no one would care. So it's about no. how you play it. Yes, when exactly. You play it, what's yeah. either side of it? Yes, how exactly. That informs that you know, and that yeah. thought process I find fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. because I think that think as a DJ, that's one of the most exciting things. You're the only one that knows what's coming next. Yeah, yeah. Nobody else does apart from no. you. Yeah. So yeah. and so, it's up to you to place those tracks you love it, um, um, the right order, which is yeah. going to make everybody absolutely love them. Yeah. Because if you're playing music that people don't know at all, then then it's that as you just said it's very easy to play it at the wrong time and people just yeah just not yeah. not get it yeah. and people don't know the music you're playing it is no. generally all new a lot of it's yes. a lot of it's yes. coming out on your label in a yeah, year exactly. a lot of it you know so you are still you still have that old school mentality of bringing new music to people and not just turning up and trying to play some hits and no, it's, it's, dance and it's because uh, 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 we're lucky with the sound garden and I hope that young producers send us music all the time. Yeah. And I still, if, if something comes through that I think is absolutely fantastic, I'm still just as excited as I was yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. It's that foot tap. Joey yeah. always said in the Wales studio, if he sees my knee bouncing up and down, then he knows, yeah. knows the track is on. Well. Yeah. All right. So, <laughs> and, Brilliant. And it's the same with hearing new music. It's like, it's, I'm so excited to to hear something which I think that's really good. That's yeah. so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing that tomorrow. I'm coming out to Walmart. Yes, of course. Tomorrow. Walmart. A festival uh, tomorrow. Which I haven't be been anywhere in that no, kind of world for a long time. So I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Well, being um, being England in August, of course, it's going to yeah bring a 
be a changeable day. <laughs> uh, I'm prepared bring, for that. It's fine. Bring your bikini and and your coat. Exactly. Yeah. trunks and, and thermals. Yes. And um, it's a solid lineup up there as well. So I think yeah, it'd be really good. I reckon. Yeah, yeah it'd be nice. Definitely Should be fun, mate. Should yeah, be fun. Definitely. Uh, thanks very much for spending some time on. It's this. a pleasure. Yeah, Leon, it's been a pleasure to spend so much of my career working with you as well. Because we've oh, been bless you. Shoulder to shoulder. Well, vice versa, mate. Vice so, so, yes, that's yeah. great. Um, uh, yeah, so if you need to come back and do any more, if you think of anything else. Yeah, 100%. Okay, fine. Not, yeah. Not covered, like then, I said, uh, I'm, I'm really, I've been singularly unprepared for every one I yes, yeah. I started thinking, oh, maybe I should think this, maybe. And actually, it feels better doing it off the cuff. Yes. It feels, yeah, yeah, it yeah. There's this therapeutic vibe to it. I think I like in everyone involved. Yeah, lives. yeah. It captures things quite right. Yes, There exactly. was moments with, like, the last one, the Bristol Tech Explosion, where about a week later, I thought, oh, actually, what I probably should have thought about is that and spoken about that and done that. Right, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, there's no way I would have thought of those things until no, exactly. after I've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that exactly. may well be the case. I'm going to do yeah. a one-to-one with Simmer next week. Right, Cover okay. all the stuff that we didn't do. So I might yes. well be back for more yeah, uh, with you as well, I reckon, my friend. Great. All right. Great, lovely. All right, mate. I'm going to wrap up. Have a good day. See you tomorrow. Yeah. All right, mate. See you tomorrow. Ciao. Bye.